Hey, welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. This is Kelly Dixon. Okay, so we're done. We are absolutely done. And I gotta say, I have, I watch a lot of really good, I feel like I watch really good TV. And I work on this show, so it's hard to be a fan and be fair. But I gotta say, I told you this last night, Vince, I have never seen a show close as well as you close. I hope that you are so <laughs> proud. I'm like so excited. I hope that everybody out there is so excited. I know that while it's sad that I always wanted Walt to like live and have the dream and be, but I was so like filled with sad emotion, but just happy because I feel like he did it on his own terms. He died in the right place. (laughs) I love the last shot. It's beautiful. And I've told you this before. Um, It is, I just, my first word, um, about the episode was masterful. Uh, Absolutely masterful. You're very kind. You're very sweet. So I'm here with Vince Gilligan, <laughs> writer and director of this episode. Hello. I'm here with editor Skip McDonald. Hi there. And co-executive producer Melissa Bernstein. Hello. So thank you guys all for coming in. I mean, I I am just incredibly like excited about this. I hope everybody else is. People have been asking me like, you know, just tell me that it, it's going to be good. And I'm like, <laughs> you are not going to be disappointed. I hope that there is nobody. I can't understand how anybody could be disappointed. But I will tell you one thing. Somebody the, out there is disappointed. The one thing we, that I wanted this. to see. Yeah. The one thing that I was hoping going to see maybe at the see, back end of the you're credits disappointed. no maybe at the back end of the credits i wanted to see jesse in a bush plane piloting a bush plane oh. in new zealand with brock sitting in the co-pilot seat and a little photograph of andrea and a little photograph drawing of the apology girl that would have made my day yeah that, that would have made his new wife very uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I know I know logistically it would never happen because Brock is at his grandparents, uh, his grandmother's house. Hopefully, so he's yes. you know he's sad, and I'm I feel bad for him, but he's at least safe. I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I I would think so. I mean that's that's my that's my thinking. Yeah. But otherwise, absolutely masterful. Skip, great job. Yes, Every you. I mean it's just so good, oh, and so you. I mean. Okay, I'm going to ask this question I've been asking, you know, on all these podcasts, Writer's Room, tell me, when did you know what, I mean, so the broad strokes are, you knew that Walt was going to die. Yeah, you know, God, there's, you know, I'm so used to self-censoring myself on these podcasts. Like not <laughs> and now talk we don't any, have now to. Now we don't have to. This is it. I can say anything. Nothing is off the table. I can say anything. can say, ooh, you know what, I got to tell that story I promised. I would tell uh, before this is over. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. on the previous podcast. Yeah. The basement and the gun. The basement. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> you know what it was? I might as well do it now, yeah. Because, uh, um, well, in answer to your question, uh, I can't remember. I wish I had some more writers in here for a lot of reasons, but to help <laughs> help keep me honest here, I can't remember. When did, did, when did I say to you, uh, you guys, when, you know, when did I say, did I ever say to you, I think we're going to kill him off at the end, Walt? I don't see how he survives. I cannot remember exactly when we came to that. Um, I mean, well, obviously you do a pitch at the beginning of every season. So we knew, you know, and that was maybe probably at least eight weeks into your writing process with your writers. You pitched out to the studio the and the network. This yeah. was on the final eight, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So not before the final eight. No. Not before the final. Did I ever say to you just on the down low? 
I, I, you know, that's where it gets tricky for me. I don't remember when I assumed that would be the case yeah, yeah. and when you said it out loud. Yeah. Um, but we certainly didn't know when, uh, like ha- what the exact situation would, would be when okay. he died. Okay. Um, which you could speak to later. In fact, even in the outline, it's different than. And, and the, when I pitched it out to, uh, right, and when I, I'm trying to think when I, because we had a big long pitch out call to AM to the AMC executives and the Sony executives, and and this is imper- you have to do this. This is contractual. You have to do it. I don't know if it's contractual, but it's just the right thing to do, uh, so everybody's understands what we're thinking. So we did that eight weeks into uh, the the process of breaking these final eight. At least, I think I think it was actually it was probably October. Um, you want it as long as you could have right. before doing that. And we do that every season. Yeah. And it is, it, I mean. It, and I would dread them every year. Yes. Yeah. And they are fantastic. <laughs> they are riveting, these uh, um, these pitch outs. Even to those of us, you know, um, Michelle and I and Stu and obviously the writers, we all know the writers, most, I think them for the, in the most extreme version, know what you're about to say. Okay. But a lot of it, feels really fresh and I've even heard the writers say that that they didn't know exactly how you're going to pitch something I have on occasion made up a couple of the little details that I had not <laughs> yeah. previously discussed with the writers but by and large it's stuff we had talked about for the previous two months so if this was October then this was about the time and we and you guys started August 6th that's I think. right yeah but they started breaking 509 in July Right. Technically, we did. Uh, yeah, me and uh, Peter Gould and Tom Schnauz. Yeah. Um, so in this meeting, so we started shooting in the uh, second week of December. So this was still maybe a month, month and a half before we start shooting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the help remembering that. I, 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 I just it all goes in and out of my brain. It's like uh, I don't know. What they say you pitched talk- some. You you did pitch a pretty crazy thing with um, with Skyler. Which one? What was that? What when you did the pitch out. <laughs> you told us she was going to kill herself. Did I? Yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, after, I remember that. And afterwards, my, our, my network colleagues are like, please don't let him do that. You like, know oh, what? Let's see what happens. I'm so glad, oh, so glad you reminded me of this. I'd forgotten that. We did. We, we had. You said I mean, maybe, but you were, but you we were, were leaning towards we that. Were le- we were le- we, I was leaning towards that, and the other writers were like, no, that's, that's, that's a bridge too far. Let's not. And they were right. I, I think that would have been very, uh, just unnecessary. That would have been, I, I, yeah. But I, I was thinking along those lines at some point, I was thinking at some point she went with the disappearer. Uh, and we talked about every option under the sun, every option we could think of, every permutation, every possibility. And one of them was that, that Skyler leaves with Walt and the disappearer uh which would have been two episodes back uh and and but we could never figure out we could kind of almost sort of see where where Skylar would go if she was sort of like zombified after she knew of hank's demise but we could never figure out how to get junior to go along because junior's an able-bodied i mean i mean i mean he's got the character as cp and but he there's no there's no bringing junior if junior didn't want to go absolutely so we could never yeah, we did. We talked about that. We talked about a possible version where where Skyler and Walter hold up at some Motel Six or someplace, and and he's he's talking to her. She's in the bathroom, and and he's saying to her, "It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. I've got a plan." Skyler, Skyler, and finally forces the door open, and she's in a 
bloody tub or something like that, having opened up a wrist or wow. some. I mean, it was that was it was very dark. But you know, not like this was a cakewalk, yes, you no. know, of you sweetness and, and light. You know? And you didn't get quite that detailed of the pitch out, but we were still like, oh my god, no. Yeah. But it's funny, actually, as a total aside, I was looking back at my notes from the first season pitch out. Yeah, and. And it's and you said at that point that Walt took the job with Elliot and Gretchen. Yeah. Which I was, you know, and obviously we got cut short because of the writer's strike. But it was so fun to look at that. Oh God, was they, all these years later? He was going to take the job. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, it's just like and, someone and else then, said all this. I don't even remember. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. That's all yeah. I can say. Well, I wouldn't have believed it if if I ha- I have it written down. You know, I wouldn't have believed it. Myself. I should just quit while I'm behind right now. But I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and tell that thing that I pitched way back before season one started, and everyone is literally going to listen to this on the other end of this podcast and say that guy is just absolutely d- disturbed <laughs> but the original the thing i said a couple podcasts ago that i was going to pitch uh was this was before we ever shot season one i think the pilot was written and i pitched a scene that i had in mind and every time i pitch this everyone was like oh you're disturbed but i had this image that walt I think it was going to be that that Jesse gets killed in season one. So this would happen like the end of season one or season two or something like this. And Walt is so filled with rage at the person, at the drug kingpin, drug dealer who kills Jesse, that he's out for re- revenge. And he takes it very personally. And he gets this guy. And this guy's a really tough, badass dude who's, I mean, a really hardcore guy who you really would want to see something bad come to this guy. This is a character we never had. There's versions of this character in Gustavo Frank and in Tuco Salamanca and even in Crazy 8, but we never, we never completely had this character realized. But Walt gets this guy and chloroforms him or something and installs him in some basement somewhere. And a lot of the details I'd never nailed down. And this was before I had a writing staff. I came up with this bit of insanity. So <laughs> this guy's in a, in a and Walt, Walt like shackles him into this basement and, and sets up this rifle or shotgun across the way with a trip wire attached to uh, the trigger so that this guy can opt out at any given minute. In other words, this guy's such a badass, but Walt, for some reason, Walt wants him to kill himself. So Walt... Like starts like working on this guy from the toes up, and like starts you know lopping off bits of this guy, and then like <laughs> cauterizing it with a with a with a blowtorch or something. So like every day that it, you know at precisely four o'clock, he's going to show show up. Walt's going to show up and take another bit off this guy, in revenge for for having done horrible things to Jesse. But the guy can stop it at any given time by by pulling on the uh, on the on the wire that leads to the rifle, which is which is set up across the room aimed at the guy's heart and the guy's such a badass that he won't trip the trip line he won't do it and this goes on for weeks and walt is getting more and more disturbed like because he, he keeps now he's he's like dedicated to like you know so now there it's up to the up past the guy's knees or something you know he's, <laughs> and this guy is like you know delirious with pain but he's such a badass he won't he won't flip the trip line and Walter Jr. was going to somehow stumble into this place (laughs) and come downstairs and find this, from his mind, from his point of view, this poor guy with, like, no legs who is, like, manacled to the floor or something to the wall. And Walter Jr., being a sweet 
you know, character was going to like lean in and try to help him, you know, put some water, a bottle of water to his lips. Oh my God, I'm calling the police. And, and the guy's eyelids flicker open and the guy says, who are you? And he says, you know, somehow he, the guy, the bad guy, I mean, Walt is pretty fucking bad at this point too, clearly for having done this to this guy. But this guy, this other bad guy, half a bad guy now, his eyelids flicker open and he looks at the kid and somehow he realizes that he's Walter Jr. He's Walter White's son. He's his nemesis's son. And then and only then does he pull the trip line and kill both of them. Oh, my God. And I pitched this. I pitched this like in person to uh, back then it was Rob Sorcher. It was before Joel Stillerman. Rob Sorcher was still uh, was still at AMC and Christina Wayne was still there and Jeremy Ellis and uh, and Zach and Jamie at Sony. And I pitched this to everybody and everybody was like, <laughs> you are seriously fucked up. <laughs> and you'll notice we never actually did that scene. <laughs> and that was going to be at the end of season one? Uh, this, this would have been, gosh, what, you know, I didn't have a hard and fast uh, uh, idea in my head of when exactly it would happen. But it would have happened after Jesse Pinkman's demise. And it would have happened... By the way, everyone listening to this who's not who hasn't like shut this thing off already <laughs> is, is thinking to themselves, "Thank God he hired a good writing staff <laughs> and like didn't come up with all this stuff by himself." But um, um, that, and I've said a lot of these interviews uh, on podcast and in other venues. I've said what a collaborative medium this is, and this show would have been, as you can tell by the story I just told, <laughs> would have been a very different show indeed if not for all the collaboration. Starting in the writers' room, right. but then with the, the actors and the directors and the editors and the and the director of photography, everybody, the producers certainly, all the good advice you've given me, Melissa, over the over this last six years plus good. six years plus. But I do you remember it? Were you there in that? I, That's I, funny. I don't remember that. <laughs> I, I the one the more recent one I remember is after season when when you guys were working on the beginning of season five, and you, and you were talking about like the bloody the suitcase that Walt w- would have been carrying across the desert. Oh yeah. You know, and and like what was in the suitcase? Was it like was it Baby Holly? Or <laughs> <laughs> it was so, so horrible. You like a suitcase dripping, uh, dripping blood. Yes. Know? A roller bag yeah. being rolled through the desert. You never know where that might show up. You never know. Maybe, maybe that'll show up at some point in some future show. Yes. Delightful. Never know. But uh, um, so yeah, I've really put that one out there. Now I can never use that. So you know, it's just as well that crazy thing with the tripwire. But I'm curious. So when you did this pitch out in you know eight weeks in or something. So that's what AMC and Sony knew, but you said you've deviated from even that. I deviated uh, well, as you, yeah, I deviated greatly from that that crazy bit of business I just pitched. So the, oh no, the, not that one. I'm talking about the one for the final eight. Oh yes, I, well apparently so because uh, like Melissa has just reminded me, we talked about Skylar killing, uh, herself. killing herself, and and uh, I again it, uh, it it shows what a collaborative medium this is because. Uh, I've got some pretty clearly some fairly dark ideas, <laughs> and uh, and they are have often have, have always throughout the history of Breaking Bad been tempered by uh, by uh, people with more sense. So well, well, so like okay, so like I said, broad strokes. You knew from you knew early early on that you were gonna kill Walt, but you didn't you didn't know how you were gonna get there. I mean you knew he was gonna die at the end, but you really didn't know how you were gonna get there. How did this whole thing start to gel? 
Well, let's let's take it from a, a different angle. Maybe it's more like maybe it's more like we didn't know how he could survive. Okay. So it's not like we knew we were going to kill him, but we ask ourselves always, you know, where does this thing end up? We ask ourselves a great many questions uh, throughout breaking these last eight. You know, the typical questions we always ask ourselves: What does Walt want? You know, what is what is his goal? What is his obstacle? Same for Jesse. Same for Skyler. Same for well, you know, once Hank passed away, you know. Marie, all of them, in fact. But then you also ask yourself, the added self-imposed pressure this season was, was asking, asking ourselves, what's the right ending? And that's a little bit inorganic because in the sense of let, let the characters tell you where they're headed and then pick an ending point for that. But you have to be inorganic. As much as I love organic storytelling, where, in other words, you let the character tell you where he or she is headed, you have to be inorganic very often, especially when you're planning toward a, a, big, a big ending. Mm -hmm. So we kept asking, inorganically kept asking ourselves, what is the ending that would satisfy us the most? What's, does Walt, how, how does Walt, I mean, Walt gets a cancer diagnosis in that first episode. Is it, and, and it's a, you know, in real life, we want, you know, when, when cancer, cancer rears its ugly head, in real life, we want, people to survive cancer who we who would love when when you know when those moments unfortunately occur in our lives goes without saying but structurally story-wise and in a work of fiction if you start uh walter white's journey with him getting diagnosed with terminal lung cancer even if you even for the folks who may want him to survive does it feel earned does it not feel like a cheat if if he doesn't if he survives a show like this it, it's somehow implicit it seems to me implicit in the in the promise of that first episode of breaking bad is that he's not going to survive breaking bad so we could have come up with a version where he didn't survive but it just felt right that we saw his demise and yet having said that and as bad a guy as he's been and as and as dark uh, a series of misdeeds as as he has committed nonetheless it felt right and satisfying and proper to us that he went out on his own terms. He right. went out like a man. Yeah. And he got done. I mean, he, he does not in this final episode, he does, does not undo all the damage he has wrought. He does not uh, uh, expiate his, his sins. There's just too many of them. It's impossible. But uh, on the other hand, Given the in this limited set of circumstances, he you know given this given given the the limited way he could he could make good quote unquote he he basically makes good as best he can. He gets the money, what's left of it. He gets one seventh of it to his family because I believe, you know, and it's up to anyone whether or not they want to believe this. But I believe Gretchen and Elliot are. Mm -hmm. Scared enough that they're going to get this money to Walter Jr. It's and not therefore like they the need family. The money, so well, yeah, no, I mean the, the the most obvious alternate viewpoint would be that they eventually it eventually dawns on them that they're not, you know, that it, you know, the, let's go to the police instead. In which case, obviously, the white what's the remainder of the white family would never get this money. But right. I, I prefer being to believe, blackmailed to do the worst thing. I mean, I feel yeah. like if they debated it, they'd be like, okay, so. Yeah. This poor innocent kid, two yeah. kids, yeah. get this money. Yeah. yeah, to the best of our knowledge, Skylar was not in on it, or, or, or even if she was, the kids are the ones getting the money, and and they their innocence and 
it's not like uh, we're being we're being blackmailed to kill someone or whatever. We're just being blackmailed to give, you know, a guy's money to his to his children. Yeah, let's just do it, mm-hmm. you know. I, I believe you know I believe that Walt's Maybe. plan worked. Yeah, I, yeah. I got to believe I, that. I buy it. And Jesse, I got to believe Jesse got away with it. I guess you could say, well, you know, a lot of people would be looking, a lot of law enforcement would be looking for Jesse, but I got to believe he got away. I mean, that's what I. He's but, in New Zealand. Or Alaska Piloting or someplace. <laughs> Is there actually Around bush castles. in New Zealand? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the castles of New Zealand. Yeah. Where they shot? Uh, yeah. Where they shot the Lord <laughs> of the Rings? <laughs> That's right. You guys shot in New Zealand. Indeed, we did. So you've been to New Zealand? I did on your 40th birthday. That's right. My 40th birthday party, uh, Melissa chose to go to New Zealand instead. I know. Stupid, you know, stupid all I, me. All I can tell you is I'm only turning 41. <laughs> I'm going to be there for 80. So watch out. All but right. stay on point because this is going to be a long podcast. Unless I keep going. So, so okay. Um, so you did that, that pitch out meeting. Obviously, you've deviated. But... As, um, as, as we often did. Yeah. You know, we, the good thing about these pitch out meetings is you give... You, you pitch everybody the, the story up to that point to your best to the best of your knowledge, but everyone understands that you can change things up, like okay. like Skylar killing herself. Okay. So. And then, so um, when you start, okay, wait. So at the beginning of season five, five hundred one, right. when you set forth this M sixty machine gun, did you know then what you were going to do with it? I know you've said you didn't know on other podcasts, and I think I read somewhere. I know I've read somewhere, but I don't know which interview you get gave this in, but you said that he was there to protect someone. I know I've read that. We went through every possibility. But, did, but did you we know? Didn't, no, we didn't really know. Okay. We knew it had. <laughs> no, you're planting a flag at that point. You're planting your flag. When a guy buys an M60 machine gun at the beginning of what you know is going to be 16 episodes, no more, no less. <laughs> You, you know, it's the old Chekhov, not not the uh, incident on Star Trek, but, but Chekhov, the uh, Russian playwright. Uh, you know, you 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 plant that gun and uh, you 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 show the gun to the audience in act in act one. You got to fire it by act three, mm-hmm. and so that is a big indeed a big gun. And uh, we knew we were planting our flag. We're saying, you know what, an M60 machine gun, Rambo's machine gun. <laughs> that something cool has to happen with that. We'll figure it out later. Uh, and we went through every possible permutation. We went through, does he, who does he use it on? It was the first, the first obvious question. Okay. And at that point we didn't even have uncle Jack yet. Uh, when we planted the M60 and he, mm-hmm. we hadn't thought of him yet. Uncle Jack and uh, Kenny and Todd. Right. And we had, we didn't have any of those guys. So, excuse me. We figured there'd be a, a bad guy, or, or rather, more likely, a bunch of bad guys. You don't use an M60 to kill one guy. You use it to kill a whole platoon of guys. <laughs> so we knew there'd be a bunch of bad guys. And and actually, in fact, the M60 probably, in hindsight, probably helped us come up with that whole bunch of bad guys, the, the bunch of creepy Aryans who wind up killing Hank. Okay. Uh, so, but you just, you know... And we had our original version was probably that he would use it, Walt would use it somewhat in Rambo fashion, you know, handheld, you know, mowing down a bunch of guys. <laughs> but the the closer we got to the end, and we realized how 
that Walt's cancer would, would resurface and we realized how sick Walt would be. That felt wrong for Walt to go out bronze over brain, you know, go out like Rambo. Walt was never on his best day, was never Rambo. <laughs> so then we came up very late in the game. We came up with putting it, mounting it in the trunk and using the garage door opener motor as a, as a way of sweeping it back and forth and automating the process, you know, so that Walt, because everyone, me included, everyone loved those moments when Walt, was MacGyver-esque. Yeah, use yeah. science. science. Use science. So. Um, okay, so um, you set it up in 501. You didn't know, but you always had an idea, okay, we've got to pay this, you know, play this out. Oh, yeah. So once you got around to where we have Uncle Jack, we've, you know, you've now killed Hank. Yeah. At that point, was all that starting to gel? Did it was you pretty starting much to know gel. that end game at that point? No, not even then. It was starting to gel, <clears throat> but even then we thought, Gee, is it too obvious he'd use it on a bunch of bad guys? What if, what if, the real end game is that Walt? Because on some level, I mean, uh, Mike said it himself uh, in the end of season five A. Walt, or in the middle of season five A, Mike said to to Walt, "Hey, Walt, just because you killed Jesse James, don't make you Jesse James." Mm-hmm. And there was an element of Walt always uh, once he really started to get going into into being a kingpin. There's always an element of Walt where he. Uh, we suspected in the writer's room he really wanted to get caught on some level. He didn't want to get caught, but he wanted, like on his deathbed or something, it would have been cool for him to have, you know, to get credit for being yeah. for being John Dillinger, for being Jesse James, right. for being the best at, what, at his chosen profession, at right. his chosen second career late in life. And, and I think that was that weird kind of duality that he, that he felt. He didn't want to get caught. I think mainly he didn't want to get caught, and he fought getting caught. He fought going to jail. He fought. Uh, he tried to convince Hank not to go after him. But on the other hand, you know, there is that element of him. Apparently, it seemed to us that uh, he wanted to be Jesse James. He wanted to be known as Jesse yeah, he James. Wants the so he wants the credit. So he wants the credit. So so we had we had versions we talked about uh for instance where the police are coming to get him he uses it on the police but we didn't like that it just didn't seem right we had a version where he goes and, and breaks jesse out of jail just as the the nazis were going to knock jesse off in jail and he comes in and he uses an m60 to, to lay waste to an entire prison or a prison <laughs> bus or some you know so we had every version of this under the sun i'm not saying we got far with those but we would talk them through for hours on end you know what if he what if it's almost like that scene in the terminator what if the 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 duty officer or whatever's at the front of the jail at the sign in the bulletproof sign in window and all of a sudden this guy walks in walter white walks in with an m60 and starts you know (laughs) but we're like you know what as bad as walt is we don't want to see him killing good guys we want him if he's going to use this m60 even if it's slightly more, even if it's slightly less surprising, let's see him use it on guys okay. even worse than he is. Okay. So, um, so but you didn't like deviate from you know writing other episodes to talk about this. You just you knew that he was probably going to do use it in in five sixteen. So you basically kind of held it at bay until five sixteen. It's not like you were like talking about it in the middle of breaking other. Oh, episodes. absolutely. We'd, we'd stop and talk about. Where oh, you would all the time. You, oh, okay. you, you kind of have to. Where are we heading? We're planting. We keep planting our flags here. We in in episode. You know, fourteen. 
you know, at the end of 14, he goes off with a disappearer. You know, where is this ultimately going, though? He disappears. He's going to go to... We knew from, uh, we'd sort of, again, planted a flag in 501. He has New Hampshire license plates. Right. We knew at that point that most likely he had been disappeared, quote unquote, by, by the disappearer. Right. Who at that point, we didn't even know who would play him. Although, for the longest time, I have loved Robert Forster so much and figured, you know, how about Robert Forster? So and of cool course, he too. was so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so we figured, you know, he shows up in the Denny's in 501. He's got... A New Hampshire license. He's got a new name, Mr. Lambert. You know, he's got a New Hampshire Volvo. But we didn't realize at that point. I, I we were probably thinking when we wrote all that stuff back in the day that the New Hampshire Volvo was his. That it was not a stolen vehicle. Mm-hmm. That he, you know, had a license, uh, a driver's license from New Hampshire, and he had a whole new life. We talked about him having a new wife. Mm-hmm. We talked about him having a new, uh, you a know, job. Yeah. We had we had uh, a new job, a new. Uh, we talked about him teaching at some sort of a uh, learning annex type place, teaching uh, chemistry. We talked he was about cooking, wasn't he? In your in one version, wasn't he like? I mean, uh, gourmet like. Yeah, you know what we had. We had a scene we never got to that we really wanted to do. Ultimately, you got to kill your darlings, as Faulkner used to say. But you, we had a scene where he made. Peanut brittle. Peanut brittle, yeah. And this was even before. This was even before the whole. Uh, we had this idea even before the whole. Uh, our, uh, uh, our wonderful uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway uh, 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 special video that uh, that uh, Gordon uh, Gordon Smith wrote and that uh, Michelle McLaren directed for the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting with uh, with Warren Buffett with Mr. Buffett there, even before all that peanut brittle stuff. Uh, came came about we were talking about is there a scene where uh, walt is cooking peanut brittle and, and somehow you can tell by the exactitude he, he the exactness he 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 goes about cooking you know with which he goes about cooking that you know he misses it he misses the the cooking of the meth and we had all these we had all these ideas that you know that you that wind up sort of ghostly sort of uh like uh images in your brains so, uh, ghost 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 alternatives, you know, of, of, of where you think you're you're going to go. That we you never quite get there. But having said all of that, I, I pitch these, and a lot of them, probably the folks listening, sound ludicrous. And 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 that's and I hope they do sound ludicrous. The worst thing would be I'm saying all this, and people are like, "Oh man, that would have been so much better." And, uh, but I feel really good about what we came up no, with. I it think- was it was hard fought. We had a hundred or a thousand different alternate versions. Well, I think that, you know, I've said this to you before privately. I think I might have actually said it to you on the podcast before, but I don't think there's any other podcast. There's the, I don't think there's any other showrunner in town that would be brave enough to do, you know, what you just did. Um, and, and it's certainly not out there for public consumption. And so thank you very much for that. Well, I think that you. our listeners are, you know, definitely probably excited about hearing that. I know I've never heard these stories and I've talked to you about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, you know, amazing, you know, to, to hear the process. But just like you said in other podcasts, in the writer's room, you say, let's start with the bad ideas. What's a bad idea? Yeah, I just pitched a lot of them just there. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you start and you guys really, really work through. And the thing that, the reason I keep asking you questions like this in the podcast is, you know, I'm kind of trying to like let people know out there that, you know, I mean, I have friends out there who, you know, hear that you didn't know what, you know, what, what was going to happen, but they just think that you're lying because you're so good 
at this story. It's like so amazingly good. So they're like, ah, that's just what Vince says publicly. He yeah. didn't know. He didn't know. But I'm like, no, they didn't know. Very often we didn't. And, and, and I think what I take credit for us doing right, I mean, we had a lot of lead time, which was great. And that's all credit due to the companies we work for, letting us have those kind of schedules where we had time, time enough to sit around thinking mm-hmm. and to discard, to, to go through all the bad ideas and then the mediocre ideas and then the so-so, it yeah, kind of could work ideas to get to the good ideas, mm-hmm. to the really good ideas, hopefully. And you have to have time enough, and we were lucky, we're fortunate to have time enough. But also, we were we were not so very good at thinking way, way ahead. A few times we thought way, way ahead, and I'm proud of that. But for the most part, and I've said this elsewhere, I think I said this in the Charlie Rose Show, uh, the thing I think we did the best was that we, we mined our own history. We, we would look backward and we'd say, what, what about, there was a little look for instance, uh, way back in season three that that uh, that uh, Tio in his wheelchair gave to Gus, you know, you know, he really seemed like he was angry at him. He really seemed like, can we can we mine, can we, you know, can we mine our own history? Can we pay heed to little moments that really at the time didn't mean anything necessarily? And can we morph them into something else so it, so that it looks like we had certain things in mind all along. So it looked like we're playing a very deep game. <laughs> and and that's I think what we're really what we're really uh, successful at. That's cool. Okay, so let's start in on the episode then. But I hope that everybody is appreciative of that because I know that it's like I know a lot of people because we're finally at the end, they wouldn't they'd would like to know yeah. what how this whole thing, you know, played out and what what was all the thing. So um, we start where Walt is breaking into a car. There's snow on the windows, and you've got this song playing. What? Why did you want to use the El Paso song? I, you know, I can't remember. It just felt it felt right. Uh, I love that song, I, by the way. I love no. I love I love Marty Robbins. I always have, and I love El Paso. Great song. Uh, I tell you what worked out very nicely, though, is uh, if people are wondering why the episode's called Felina. Uh, and if you listen to the words of the song, Wicked Felina is, is the is the girl that uh, the cowboy is in love with, and in, in the song old in the song El Paso, uh, and and you, you hear him singing about her. He kills a man for for her, and then he flees town, and then he, his love for her is so great he has to ride back into town on his horse because his fear of death is less than to this pain in his heart he feels and. And and uh, he gets killed on the way back. And 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 I guess we knew at the point we started breaking it that that was more or less what was going to happen yeah. with Walt. So El Paso, on subconscious, on some conscious or subconscious level, seemed to to uh, to resonate. Uh, and then what uh, Gordon Smith and uh, and Jen Carroll uh, made me realize is that. Uh, the name Felina, although I have to stress it's spelled a little differently than Marty Robbins spelled it, but the way we spell Felina uh, is is an anagram for finale. Oh, so, nice. although I think he spelled it, Marty Robbins spelled it differently. He spelled it F A L E E N A, which is not an anagram. But we took a little liberty there. Nice. But uh, but that uh, the scene in the snow uh, really was shot on a soundstage. That's fake plastic snow held against the windows in little plexiglass uh, window boxes on the outside of the windows. Wow. And, and uh, 
Uh, Brian Cranston was a real sport in that the whole scene he's shooting where he's acting like it's so cold. He's really bundled up under a lot of hot lights, and he's actually, like, burning up probably. And he had this little plastic uh, pill cage with holes in it, pill pill box kind of thing in his mouth with a little pellet of dry ice oh, in to, it. Oh, to, like, yeah. breathe the air. To, to, the bre- to get the yeah. breath. And it uh, and, and Skip, it worked, well. it, worked, it worked pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Skip did a great job finding the the best takes where it where it worked the the best. And then trying to put dialogue in his mouth when he spoke with it in. And you did a great job with that because when he when he speaks, you know, with that thing in his mouth, he just talks like this. It's like oh yeah, yeah. you know, you can barely understand him. Yeah, really so, tough too. So yeah, so we would do a take with it in his mouth speaking, and then I'd ask him to take it out and hide it from camera, and then say the line again. While the camera was still rolling, yeah. uh, so you get a good take in, yeah. Yeah, Skip stuffed it in his mouth very well. Um, and there was more dialogue we cut out, and there was uh, it was a there was some stuff we cut out that yeah. we didn't need. I really. like how it works too, where you have him say, "Remind me, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting. I've only seen the episode once, but where he's saying, just get me home, I'll do.' And then the key, he finds the key. Yeah. Right? Well, the whole kind of the whole point of the teaser for us <laughs> in the writers' room was. Uh, what is he doing? Is he praying? <laughs> who's he praying to? Yeah. Would it be God? Would it be the devil? Would, <laughs> who's he? Who would? Who would a guy like Walter White pray to? And uh, and lo and behold, his prayers are answered, and the key is like kind of magically awaiting yeah, him exactly. up on top of the visor. I so, love it. Yeah, because he tried, you know, with all his science, you would think he could like get the car started. <laughs> well, just yeah, everyone. It's like every guy thinks he could jumpstart, not ju- uh, like uh, like uh, hot wire cars. <laughs> they don't build them to make it particularly easy for you to do that. So you but can't. um, um, I like also Skip and and, and uh, Vince as well. I like how you guys took your time, especially when you see the lights. You know, the lights yeah. on the outside, and he's just sta- sitting there, and you know, it's such a it's so nice to actually take your time with stuff like that. Cause I know you guys were long. Yeah. The episode is long, but just because yeah. that moment means a lot and you're like sitting there and so many people would have just, you know, truncated it and cut it short and just sort of moved on because of time. But you guys decided to stay on it and it, it really is quite nice that, oh, you, nice. that you did Thank stay you. on it. What, how long is the episode? Skip? It's like six minutes, well, like six or seven minutes over our normal oh. time. Same thing as 15. Yeah, 15 yeah. was long too. <laughs> God bless AMC and Sony for working out a way yes. for us to have longer yeah. episodes. I appreciate that very much yes. because we really just, yeah, you really have to butcher them to get them down to running. These last two, the 515, 516, there's just a lot of stuff that needed to get settled. So if you add the, those two running times together, if each one's like six and a half minutes overly long, that means we were about one act too long. Yeah, that's the pretty good. Yeah. We got close. We we almost hit it. So in Act One, you've got Walt calling, um, saying he's from the New York Times, calling yeah. because of what he just saw in Charlie Rose, and he's basically trying to locate Gretchen and Elliot, yeah. and he's of course masterful at you know psyching out the people to tell him yeah. the information. And then social engineering, I think they call that. <laughs> Seriously, uh, social engineering is when you, you call someone up and get them to give you a, your password to your computer or whatever. He, he basically social engineered this lady on the phone. Yeah. So you've got, um, so then he, 
He, it's so funny, too, how you shot that because Gretchen and Ellie get out of the car and they go through the little sort of atrium that they have there. And you've got Walt sitting way in the background. He's just sitting there. And, and I mean, I didn't even notice him until he moved. Oh, good. So good. it was like, it was, I was like, oh, no. That's awesome. It good. was really, really fun. I, I also love that Vince, in that dialogue, made reference to the fact that uh, Gretchen and Elliot had moved because we'd seen yes, their house yes, in 104. Yeah, and did. I think a lot of shows would have just blown past that, but like explaining yeah. why we're seeing that house. And that house, house, man, that, that, house that location is, awesome. is like, yeah. whoa. Awesome. We couldn't go back to that first house if we wanted to. That last time we saw their, their original house was season one, was mm-hmm. episode four of season one. And that whole neighborhood got, got nixed because, uh, um, that whole neighborhood, the, the, it was, it's very, Los Ranchos, Los Ranchos, very wealthy, neighborhood and they got together their uh neighborhood group organization got together and and said nobody gets to shoot in this our neighborhood anymore from this point on wow so uh you know hey it's america they got a right to do that and uh but i this this worked out very well because i was this house uh the couple who own this house were very uh very nice people very down-to-earth sweet people who live in a magnificent house and it looks so good on film uh and, and uh, also, it sort of implicitly tells a story that, that even since we first met them, Gretchen and Elliot have, have moved up in the world. Yeah, they're making money. And, uh, yeah, you know, making fat stacks. <laughs> but it's so funny. I love how you, because, I mean, I know I've said this before, off the podcast, but Vince, you're so talented. Just every shot that you have in here is so designed. It's You're telling such a visual story, and, and it's so impressive, because I've worked with you since 2007, yeah. and I've seen the two episodes that you directed on um on the X-Files, and everything that you're doing is just so incredibly designed and beautiful, and this is no, you know, no mm-hmm. exception. But I love, like, how Brian kind of waltzes in, and those doors are just massive, and he just shuts the door. Those doors and are And it's great. beautifully... It's just beautifully staged, this whole thing. And he goes in there and he's looking at the pictures and they're just chatting away. And yeah. finally, Gretchen sees him and she screams and Elliot comes over. And I'm like, what are they going to do? You know? <laughs> I, and, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I, th- I thank you. That, you know what? It, it goes to show what, again, what a collaborative uh, effort it is because... I mean, story-wise, yes, it was always going to be Walt walks in and does not give a damn when they notice him he would have been fine with them noticing him when they first walked in uh but uh, actually no we changed it. the original version was that he follows them into the house but this is a good example of the collaborative nature of the of of, of, of making a tv show is christian our wonderful uh uh location uh manager uh he and his scouts found that house and it changed the way it changed my my vision for the scene because the original vision was that Walt just kind of is hiding out in the bushes and he follows him in. But when we saw that house, I realized, you know, this place is great. It's got a courtyard. It had those giant exterior doors, right. which actually stay open. They're, they're kind of storm door kind of things, but typically they stay open. So having Walt be sort of lurking there, except like I say, he's lurking, but he doesn't really care whether they see him or not. 
But then he goes and he closes the big doors. It's just really, it's meant to be feel like a horror movie. Yeah, maybe point. I'm a dope. And I mean, it's I'm Christian only... Diaz de Bedoya. Okay. Christian Diaz de Bedoya. Yes. You know, maybe I'm a dope, but I honestly, when I was watching it, I, what, I did not notice him until he got up. And I'm like, oh, awesome. And I knew what was supposed to happen. No, that's <laughs> good. I, 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 I like that. I, like, <laughs> I, want, I want half the audience to notice him and half of them not. I mean, really, seriously. And so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I want, to, uh, I want to give a shout out to Thomas Goliabich for finding the music. Uh, it was not originally uh, an idea to, to have music playing in the house, but um, uh, uh, Jessica Hecht, uh, who plays uh, Gretchen, uh, she when she's typing in all the numbers with her fingertip on the uh, on the security <laughs> screen, which all that was was just a piece of smoked lucite smoked that the, that, uh, the, the art department put up there. Uh, you know, it didn't do anything and okay. it added in all the uh, sound effects, but it seemed like she's punching it so many times. I didn't really notice she was doing that in the takes. Cause I think I might've said maybe a few fewer, fewer punches. punches. I noticed that when I was watching, I'm yeah, like, damn, like, that's a long <laughs> security. That's a long code. string. Of it. But that uh, when you're really, really rich. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, I figured, okay, you can afford a longer security code code. like I have, but we figured, Hey, maybe she's turning on the, uh, the lights and the stereo and all uh, that in the meantime. So, uh, uh, Thomas G found us, uh, Faust, uh, <laughs> uh, written by, uh, composed by, uh, oh gosh, um, I'm, showing my ignorance here but this is it's essentially uh the the, the classical music you're hearing is, is is essentially uh inspired by uh faust which is very apt <laughs> and it's just very appropriate and it just it felt uh it felt just right uh, laid in against the cut picture so. and you and um adam and uh and jessica who play uh, gretchen and elliot you you had written a bunch of pocket dialogue for them but it took even longer for them to get from one side of the house to the other yeah. so that they were making some They're of that up stuff too up. <laughs> yeah they did a real good job making they did. this stuff they up. do and they sound it sounds very natural in what they would be saying so it's just kind of fun they they did such a good job of course it's great having jessica back uh but we have seen gretchen since the last time we saw elliot elliot we haven't seen since no. that one appearance way back in in episode four season one so it was great having Adam back. It was, it was, uh, it was, that was a pleasure seeing him again. You know, I wanted to mention right quick before um, we move on that um, I was recent because we're premiering tonight, today is Sunday, uh, August 11th. And we're recording the last podcast right before we premiere the show in a couple of hours. Um, but I was listening to the 509 podcast because I had to get it to Melissa to, um, you know, for notes. And at that point you guys were talking about um, Kevin Cordasco yeah, Kevin Cordesco. And you had mentioned that um, he had said something about um, about something that made you change your something. And so yeah, I figured this is a good time to bring that up. This is a good time. This is a good time. <clears throat> You're right. Kevin, uh, who is uh, our, our, our best fan, yeah. uh, has told the story before mm-hmm. on his podcast. He, he, he succumbed to cancer. But when I met him back in October of 2012 and this now we're recording this in august to 2013 uh you know i, I asked him he, he was a very thoughtful uh young man uh, he had he had he was very smart and he watched the show very closely watched breaking bad very closely and had a, uh, a great attention to detail for it and i said do you have any notes for us you have uh, you know what can we do better and he said you know what i would like he said i feel like at least thus far you know, I feel like Gretchen and Elliot, I feel almost like 
I, I definitely want to know more about them. And I feel like, you know, you've sort of really, how did he word it? I wish I could remember exactly. But essentially what he was saying was, I feel like you guys have really kind of gone out there with these characters and, 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 and made me very intrigued by them. I, I wonder about Walt's backstory. I mean, did they really screw Walt over? Did they steal his work? I mean, that, that's a very, you know, interesting uh, line of inquiry that I want, I would like to see answered. And I feel like thus far, you know, we haven't seen Gretchen, we haven't seen Elliot since season one, we haven't seen Gretchen since season three. Or was it two? It was a long time ago. It two. was two. It was two oh six. Was it that long ago? Yeah. So 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 Kevin basically turned me on to the idea that you know we really should hear more about Gretchen and Elliot. And and I got to give him credit. In very large part, it's very possible that Gretchen and Elliot would not have made the reappearance they made in the final two episodes of Breaking Bad, if not for Kevin sort of planting that thought in my head back when I met him back in October of. of uh, of 2012 and it worked out story-wise beautifully for us because it pays off uh you know a little more of that story but more than that it doesn't completely it certainly doesn't answer every question people would have about Gretchen and Elliot and, and Walt's relationship to them but more important structurally what it does uh in this final episode is it it, it allows Walt a way out a way to give the money a very kind of smart way to give the money to get the money past the feds and get it to his family they are they were deus ex machina when we first met him back in season one they basically showed up and said we'll we'll pay for the best oncological care best uh medical care for your cancer we'll give you a job blah 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 and now here so many episodes later 40 uh no 58 episodes later they uh, they 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 show up yet again, or he shows up at their place and he says, "You're you're gonna make good. You're gonna." And by the way, having said all that, I don't know that they were really villains to begin with. Walter White is a pretty warped individual, <laughs> just because he says that they stole his life's work in an earlier episode doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. I don't I don't know that they are. I'm not at all convinced that they're bad people, that or that they did or that they did did Walt wrong or any of that. But he certainly believes that and. And I mean, and we found out in 206 that, you know, he walked, Walt walked out on Gretchen. Yeah, yeah. I mean. She's saying to him, who are, what are you even talking about? I was introducing you to my family, Newport, Rhode Island, and, you know, July 4th, and all of a sudden you just split, and, you know, you walked away from us, you left us, you left me. But, you know, there's a serious case of Rashomon going on here, (laughs) clearly. But they, all of that to say, Kevin, uh, God bless him. Uh, he really, I think he helped figure out the ending, uh, to this, to this series. Um, okay. So, uh, I'm glad that we, I, I was I'm like, glad hoping, you brought that up. I'm glad, oh yeah. I was kind of yeah. hoping that, um, that we could work that in because yeah. I remember you teasing it at that point And I'm like, God, I hope that I remembered it, but I'm it, so it, glad you did. It's so, I it hate loose so ends. well segue. That was a good segue. <laughs> and I'm glad that I remember, I like was listening to it the other yeah. day and I was like, okay, let's yeah. make sure that we get that in there. And the laser beams uh, through the window. That very funny. Cause I love how you bring, are you bringing all these people back? It was so, it was so fun being able to, when we came up in the writer's room when the writers and I came up with the idea of bringing back skinny <laughs> Pete and Badger, I was, it was such a moment of yes, <laughs> but you know, the laser beams themselves, 
I, I thought we were going to have to employ some kind of visual effects trickery, some kind of computer-generated oh, trickery. Those are pretty strong. Yeah. Those, are, those are exactly <laughs> what the props were later on. They were just little pointers you get for like 15 bucks. You know, <laughs> Those are just uh, – and we had uh, – we had uh, uh, Train and Matt uh, uh, out there, our uh, folks working for the uh, in the props department, uh, shining them, dressed all in black like ninjas, and <laughs> shine, shining them in. And I sort of suits them. Yeah. And I would say, I would say to I think Trina, just occasionally just buzz the lens just a little bit, get that flare going. I certainly ask uh, our A camera operator Andy Vogli first. I said, would it be okay? I don't want her blinding you. And he said, just you know, I'll hear you give her the cue and then I'll look away. So it worked out good. But I love the conversation when they when they run back out there and get in the car and he's like, you know, is is somebody still cooking? And they're like, well, we thought it was you. <laughs> it was great having those guys yeah. back. I love those we guys. We thought it was yeah. you. And then, you know, that's when he realizes that he's like, where's Jesse? And, you know, and, and that's when he realizes that, that Jesse is cooking his formula. Um, which I thought was, you know, it was a, it was a, a really fantastic way to like bring that story back around. Was that a tough break or was that tough coming up with the, those two yeah. guys? No, yeah. just, I mean, just coming up with that's how Walt gets back and that's how he makes a plan basically to get Jesse. It was, it was all hard. It took, it took a <laughs> long time. It was a pro, it was a process of, uh, it, it took, it took many weeks and months and it was, took a lot of brains, took a lot wow. of writers uh, okay. coming up with it. It, uh, yeah, it, I mean, a big thing was how is he going to, we, we kind of knew sometimes, you know, where you need to go. You just don't know how to get there. And right. this is a good example. We knew to satisfy the audience first and foremost, to satisfy us. If we're the first audience, the writers and I, we, we knew we wanted Walt. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, really, when you think about it. We want Walt to succeed on some level. It's not that he deserves to succeed. It's just that you kind of want... I mean, morally speaking, it's not like he deserves to succeed, and yet, nonetheless, you want it as a viewer. You've he invested. He's your hero, yeah. He's, he's your protagonist, right. if not your hero, and you, if, you don't want it to be all for nothing. Right. So it's kind of a no-brainer that he gets at least some of his money uh, to his family. So you know you want that. But then the question is, how do we do it? Because the feds are not dumb. Yeah. Not in real life and not in the fictional world breaking bad. They're going to take the money away as soon as it shows up. Excuse me. Unless there's these millionaires who are above reproach and above suspicion who, out of the goodness have of their heart. Have already been doing good things. And have already things. been doing good things. Yeah. And have taken such a hard line against Walt yeah. publicly. Yeah. On Charlie Rose. Exactly. So when we came up with that, I don't even remember when it actually hit us, but it was it was like whew, just feel like a giant weight lifted. You know, <laughs> oh, this this can work. This can actually work. And then, uh, you know, those kind of moments are are hard are hard fought, but uh, they feel good when they come. So jumping now to Act Three, you've got you you're taking the story that Jesse had in Problem Dog way back in season four. 407, I think. The box? Right? Yeah. yeah, 407. And yeah. you've got this Peter sort Gould's of episode. dream <laughs> sequence, sort of, and it's beautifully done where he's making the box, and he, that guy's a good carpenter, man. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and he's making this box and then jump to reality. I love how you guys did that. I know that With Sheridan had a, yeah. a good bit, your assistant yeah. had a good bit. It's beautifully done, um, uh, Skip, and 
you know, then the jerk back to reality yeah. where Jesse's got hair and, a, you know, he's a guy. I mean, he's just in a bad way. And then he jerks on that dog line that you got tied yeah. to him or whatever. Yeah, the dog run. <laughs> you know, yeah. and he's basically an indentured slave cooking. I mean, we knew that he was like that from episode 515. We knew that that was going on. Yeah. But just in his mind, his it's, it's sort of like a... What is it where he's kind of like divorced his reality and is kind of is that what your idea was? Yeah, it's not, it's not so much that to to show something new in his in his uh, existence that we didn't know, but but more about getting inside his brain to show how he's coping with it. You know, he's really he's kind of living in a in a in a fantasy land. And this it's is keeping after they killed Andrea right in yeah, front of him yeah, too. Yeah, it's just... so he's really kind of divorced from reality. He has to be to survive. And Jesse is nothing if not a survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is as much about, it's not about saying where he is, because we, we argued a lot about it. You know, we even thought about when we were very long, we thought about dropping that scene, yes. which actually you can make a pretty solid argument for dropping it because that way we would have said to ourselves, the viewers would have said to themselves, God, whatever happened to Jesse? Where's Jesse? Where's Jesse? I haven't, I haven't laid eyes on Jesse until he walks in looking so sad and 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 diminished and shackled, you know, mm-hmm. when at the in Act Four yes. when when Uncle Jack brings him in or right. Act Five actually we we had to we had to give another act break there. That's right. That's right. This episode and the one before it uh, uh, f- that you edited uh, Five Fifteen both have an extra act in them. Seriously? Remember because yeah. of the length. I forgot about yeah. that. Yes. I totally, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Oh, that's yeah. right, because we were really busy trying to rebalance the thing. Yeah. God, it's so, been a while. <laughs> so these final two episodes are the only two episodes of Breaking Bad to have uh, not a teaser in four acts, but a, a teaser in five acts. Wow. So. Well, I want to say that that brings me to, well, no, I got to say that you then, you took us back to episode 501 where you were in the Denny's again. You didn't shoot anything new, right? You just... No, did that was all use, old footage. That was all old did you, footage. Did you reuse yeah. or did you recut? Like no, new footage? We, we, re, we did one thing where we had a blow up in the original footage. We took the blow up off. Oh, okay. Because we wanted Walt's face out of the original footage. Right. Okay. So we, we took that off. But basically it was the same. I think we extended the cut of the waitress a little bit to adjust for that blow up. Yeah. And then you also went back to 509 to show that he got the ricin again. Yeah, yes. we went back to footage uh, uh, Michael Slovis directed. Yeah, uh, and also from the pilot. When they were on the couch, wasn't it his yes, birthday party? Yes, from the pilot. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. It was so great seeing all that stuff again. Yeah, yeah, live a little. Why don't you, you know. It was so weird seeing... I mean, I worked on the pilot, and so yeah. weird Walt seeing looking like Walt Keith Richards. looking like Keith Richards. Yeah, the warm glass of milk. Yes. But what's funny is just Walt's mannerism, because he's yeah. so very different. Yeah. I mean, it's like I know that every once in a while we've you know gotten into a position where we might have to find shots of Walt, you know, doing something that we that may not have been shot. You and I both right. skip, and we tr- we ask the assistants go find some stuff, and we usually can't use it because he looks so different from season to season not that his face does but that his his whole way of yeah. carrying himself yeah. Yeah. is totally different so to see him like that again was just bizarre can you imagine just what the show would have been like without brian cranston <laughs> oh we wouldn't be we wouldn't be here 62 episodes in talking about it it would have never gotten this far with a with a lesser actor yeah uh, just someone who wouldn't be able to pull off this transformation because he did this thing I don't even. I'd love to ask Brian. I wish he were here for this last one for a lot of reasons, but I, it'd be be good to ask him. 
how conscious you you make a ba- you make a transfer transformation with every episode baby steps you know how conscious was that effort or was there some it was did it happen on a subconscious scale or was it were you consciously thinking okay you know by episode x you know i'm gonna have uh you know i'll lose a little weight and i'll i'll stand a little straighter and i'll look people in the eye more you know when i'm on camera i mean i'd love to be good to pick his brain that way i know that he's said before that because i've asked him like how how um how far do you read ahead? And he goes that he, he said he doesn't want to know because yeah. Walt needs to live in the moment. So he tries not to, yeah. you know, get too far ahead. And, you know, one thing I will say is, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I've definitely said it to Brian. Brian Cranston looks and behaves so differently than Walter White. Yeah. That, I mean, when, when he's around us with, you know, his, with, with hair yeah. and, you know, it's like Skip and I, we've talked about it before. Vince, we've talked, Melissa, um, that we work with Brian with Walter White every day. Yeah. We see him every day. We know him as editors. We know so much of of Walt's mannerisms and everything. Yeah. And then to see Brian Cranston at a restaurant, totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. You know what though? I like part of I think the magic is even as recently as five twelve when he is um, disposing of that gas can and he's walking into yeah. his neighbor's trash can, yeah. you can see some Walter White yeah. there. He's not, you know, he's not full-blown Heisenberg. Yeah. Like, it's still, yeah. like, very, right. like, old, like, there's just, because that's how people really are. Like, right. yeah. as much as they change, there's always, you know, they don't change completely. Like right. And I, I, I love that. Yeah. I love that in, the, in his portrayal. So, um... So he basically is, he's gone, I mean, you guys jump back to show a couple of things that we need to see. Um, You show that from 509 that he's gone back to the house and stuff like that, and then you have him show up at the Grove is what you guys call it. That's the real restaurant. What's the name of the real restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle McLaren favorite. Yes. Yes. Peter Gould, too. He loves the bacon. (laughs) They have very good bacon. Excellent bacon. And very good pancakes. And you, you have him show up there because he knows... That Lydia is a creature of habit. Yes. <laughs> Luckily. Otherwise, I don't know how the hell he would have found her. We kind of made that up at the last minute. but And that, you know, that she is going to be there. And what I love, 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 because I'm, and I'm curious about this, even though I'm jumping ahead. Um, when did you know what you were going to do with the ricin? Because you have gone on record in 509 saying you didn't know what you were going to do with it, but that is another Chekhov's gun. We, we knew we had to use it. I didn't, you know, we, we had so many. We did not mean for the ricin to go on as long as it did. And, in fact, the first batch of ricin got tossed out in the garbage at, uh, at Tio's house in right. the middle of nowhere. But then Walt made some more ricin. And that's kind of that Chekhov's gun kind of a thing you that conundrum of initially we, meant for Gus, right it was initially meant for well yeah the first yeah. was meant for tuco and yeah. then, and this, then batch. this batch this was, batch was meant, meant for, for gus, gus and then it was meant for no way i mean we we, we had so many near misses where and then it was gonna lydia be he was going to dose lydia he was gonna dose yeah, lydia in with it in 508 and then he never did he changed his mind because, was there oh go ahead sorry well yeah so so we and then we had him tape it behind that outlet. And when we, honestly, when we had him tape it behind the outlet, I guess we could have just left it there forever. But it, it just felt right. This is this is kind of the weird ass backward way, <laughs> you know, giving a glimpse behind the curtain as it were. 
this is kind of the ass backward way that it works sometimes when you're writing. The main thing we knew back in 501 was uh, how are we ever going to, there's there's that ricin vial behind the outlet, scotch tape to the inside of the outlet plate. It'd be kind of a shame if it just stayed there forever and we never referenced it again. How about Walt comes in and he, wouldn't that be kind of cool? He comes in and he takes the ricin vial. Well, what's what's he taking it for? I don't know, something nefarious. <laughs> of That's course. Like, you know, just so long that works, it's a scary and somewhat inorganic way to tell stories. And I always say I like organic storytelling, but every now and then you, you succumb to the inorganic method, and sometimes it works just fine for you, provided you don't, you, you, you struggle hard, you endeavor uh, to, uh, to not, to not, you know, leave any loose ends, you know, if he's, obviously we had to think of a, a use, and, and there were some times there in the writer's room in these final eight where, I, where I'd be like, we got too many loose ends, we got the ricin, we got the M60, we got, how's Walt gonna leave the money to the family, how the hell are we gonna do this, ah, I want to kill myself, <laughs> but, uh, luckily it, you know, we, 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 we worked hard at it, and we, we got all those moments in there. But, I mean, to, to people who don't believe you when you say we didn't know anything. We didn't know got, it was for Lydia. You, yeah, but you set, have set it up so well that you've, like, set her up with the stevia. Always with the stevia. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it's hard to – I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I'm saying, gosh – you guys, what was the stevia about? You know what? To be fair, to be <laughs> fair, probably when we first met Lydia, we might have been thinking. And this may sound a little chauvinistic. I don't mean it to, but but I, I just I don't want to see Lydia gunned down with by, with an M60. That's for Nazis. <laughs> That's a Nazi killing weapon. That's not for uh, petite uh, 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 heads of uh, distribution for large multinational corporations. <laughs> <laughs> the the ricin seemed like the way for Lydia to to expire. So but I mean, uh, so this... so I think with the stevie, I think we were thinking somewhere in the back of our minds, we might have been thinking as far back as that that okay. we might use the ricin at some point on okay. her and and and, but we didn't have it all figured out. That's for sure. Because he's definitely. I mean, he it, you have set it up so well, as far as her being a creature of habit, and in in gliding overall during the crystal blue persuasion thing, she had. You know, the she was always meeting with him. We set that, you know, you guys set that up, and the stevia, and then you know, it's it became like, I mean, it's perfectly organic to use your word to believe that yes, he would meet her. She would be there on that day. She would be looking for stevia. She sits at the same table. Yeah, it works out. Well, the good news for us is we we uh, because of in five oh eight when we had the scene when uh, the sequence set to crystal blue persuasion. They met every single time mm -hmm. at the uh, Grove. Now, if we had had more time or more money, we probably, to mix things up, uh, would have had them meet at a park, have them meet at a mall, have them meet at an underground garage. We'd had them meet at different places just to make it more visually interesting. But that, that is a moment, that is an example of where the limits of, of television production time and, and budget actually made for a better story because we only had the money to shoot in the one location that we were already at in, in 508 mm -hmm. when Michelle was directing that amazing sequence, it tells us, it implies that they meet at, this, well, we see it. They meet at the same damn place every week. So it helps sell the, uh, the, the, the later fiction, the fiction that comes later of, you know, you're such a creature of habit. We met at the same place, same time, every week, same table. So, yeah, if he gets there 
a half hour early, he can absolutely, and it's kind of kind of quiet that day, he can take all the stevia out of that one thing and put his specially poisoned packet of stevia, and most likely no one's going to sit down there. It, it would have been problematic if someone had or if someone had started to eat that, you know, put that in their own. That would have been problematic. But but this goes back to the to the teaser of the episode. Walt has the devil's luck. He's got someone looking out for him. He's, he's luckier he's, than you. He's, he's, he's smarter than you. than you. And he's praying to somebody in that first, in that teaser. He's saying, get me home and I'll do the rest. Right. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, the keys are there. I don't know who he's praying to exactly. <laughs> I don't know would, who would, uh, you know, be so amenable to him getting his way, what supernatural deity or whatever, but uh, he's sort of got the devil's luck throughout this whole episode. Uh, well, I don't want to rush, but we uh, we kind of need to get to it because you need to go to, uh, shoot Talking Bad. Today. Yeah, I got to do Talking Bad. But, um, yeah. let's, let's, so he basically says, you know, I got a proposition. I know you're out of methylamine. Just get me in to talk to Jack. He'll yeah. understand. Yeah. So he he sets up that meeting yeah. and poisons Lydia and one fails. Yeah. <laughs> Kills two birds with one stone. But then I do want to talk about how you guys decided that a garage door opener, where did that come from that would be the mechanism to use for the M60 machine gun? Well, a lot of that's the uh, the, the, uh, the art of the the uh, expertise of the uh, the onset uh, special effects guys my i think in the original script it was a windshield wiper motor okay and the uh the guys uh werner handline and his guys who know way more about rigging these kind of things than i ever will said well windshield wiper motors probably doesn't have enough uh oomph to it doesn't have enough torque how about a garage door motor and i didn't <laughs> i know so little about this stuff i didn't realize a garage door motor just rotated i thought it was I didn't know how it worked, but they, they rigged that. Th that thing is really as it appears to be. It works off a 12-volt uh, car battery, and it's a 12-volt it's a garage door opener. And uh, I don't even think they used a, what do you call it, a, a, a rectifier, or whatever it is, the, the thing that turns uh, 110 volts into 12. Like transformer. Transformer. Oh, yeah. So I don't think they, I think it's just a 12-volt motor. And they and that and that thing they built with, uh, with uh, ratcheting uh, box wrenches. Yes. Uh, as 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 arms to to turn the circular rotation into a into an oscillating uh, back and forth kind of they that thing really worked as as advertised. And it you was know. an automatic door lock. Yeah. That, that activated. Exactly. There's a there was they used the key fob uh, aftermarket uh, uh, door lock uh, key fob as a, as a transmitter that turns it all on and it's a little door locking and unlocking solenoid that acts as the uh, the thing that pulls the trigger. Mm -hmm. And what you see when the thing actually fires, shooting blanks, you know, out of the that is, it's exactly That's how it works. Amazing. Worked. So as yeah. a, don't don't try room. it at home. Don't <laughs> don't put your M60 machine gun on one the, of those rigs at home. That in would the be writers' bad. room, what you guys did was you just basically <laughs> said, "I need something to be shooting this," and you just said, "Can you do this?" So it wasn't like you knew what it I was. I kind of drew something up, but the thing I drew up wouldn't have worked because I had a windshield wiper motor, and I had these guys have way more knowledge and expertise on how to make these things work. It's fun as a writer to make these things up, but it's, but if, <laughs> if they did it exactly the way I drew it up, it would never have worked right. So it's, it's so much better to have the expertise of the, of the experts at hand. Okay. So not to rush through, but I got to say that this next um, scene, well, I love the phone call because I love that, you know, um, uh, Marie is calling and this is probably, I think probably the first time, the first time definitely that she's reached out. 
to Skyler, you know. Well, we don't know, thing. but it does. It does look like they have a very strained relationship, yeah. to be sure, wouldn't you say? Because yeah. we know from five fifteen, Robert Forster said that Skyler was working as in taxi. She was like dispatching taxi yeah. cabs yeah. and stuff like that, and so we're assuming that. Um, and we also know that Marie. Um, you know, is just, I mean, the house was broken into in 515, right? And, yeah. and um, you know, she's, you know, she's alone and yeah. she doesn't know what happened to Hank. They're yeah. looking. Yeah. Um, so she calls the house. And I got to say that this is, I think the scene is just an incredible scene. I think it's my favorite scene yeah. in the, in the finale where you do this, you know, you've done this amazing thing where, you know, you've got that, that pillar that's in yeah. the middle. And I didn't expect it, and I read the damn thing, but I didn't expect it. And I, I'm like, I knew Walt was there, mm -hmm. but I didn't know. And I mean, this pillar, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then you do this pullback, and yeah. you reveal. Just That's why I'm saying, Vince, just absolutely masterful what uh, you've done you're here. Because you're, you're, you were really thinking. You were thinking in so many ways about the way that you were going to do this and and just everything is set up so nicely. Well, if you keep your eyes open, you see things. You know, I didn't I didn't come up with that whole cloth. I was lucky. We were at the real location. Uh, uh, we found we found a location uh, and and the exterior that you see of the of the of the gray apartment complex mm -hmm. when the when the school bus shows up. Right. What you see at the end of the sequence. That exterior uh, that that I love so much as the exterior for Walt Kind watching, of silently saying, junior. silently watching Junior, yeah. silently saying goodbye. We, the the folks who uh, uh, operated that, who managed that apartment complex, uh, very graciously uh, let us shoot there and also let us in uh, to look at an apartment that was empty. And lo and behold, the apartment, we walk in there and it has a column in the middle of one of those, in, in the middle of the dividing, the demarcation between the little kitchenette and the little living room. There's this column kind of inexplicably there. And I'm thinking, what is that column doing there? And, and Christian, uh, uh, our location manager, was standing uh, with his butt against the counter, standing in the kitchen, and I'm, looking, I'm, I'm walking in the living room, and I look, and all of a sudden I realize he's disappeared behind the, behind the column. And I was like, God, that'd be... Because originally I just thought Walt would just sort of walk into view from off camera. That's what I thought it was going to be. That's what I thought it was going to be too. <laughs> but when you see this real place, you're like, wait a minute, I can put him behind this column. So then I said to Michelle uh, McLaren and I said to Melissa Bernstein here, I said, uh, hey, and, and to Nina Jack, our wonderful assistant director, I said, hey, let's shoot in here. Yeah. And they all looked at me like I was insane. And they were right because they said, you realize this place is so tiny inside that we – It'll, it'll just be death on the crew. Just low ceilings. And low ceiling and everything. But I love the interior so much that uh, we took photos of it, and uh, Mark Freeborn drew it up. He and his guys drew it up, and W and his guys, W. Gilpin and his guys, built it. And they essentially built that place that I love so much, except on the soundstage. They made it, I think, one foot bigger in each in each dimension. Mm. Uh than the real place but the the real key to it was the walls could fly you could right. remove the walls so you could get you could bury you could, instead of burying yourself in a corner and hoping for the best with a camera you could take that whole section of wall out and then 
and then it just made lighting and shooting so much easier. But but that that apartment really is a recreation, except one foot bigger uh, of of the real interior. And so if people are saying eh, there wouldn't be a column there, it's like yeah, there would be. <laughs> <laughs> and and you could move the column; it was not attached. You could slide it back and forth. Okay. <laughs> Having said that, we never even touched it. It was like they they put it in the perfect position. I loved it, and I was not ready for that reveal. And I just just like I said, this just. There were just so many things that were so well thought out oh, that you did. You. And the performances yeah. in that scene. Performances oh God, are yeah, astounding. Yeah. That's, that's what makes a scene. Yeah, the performances. Stunning. And it's just, yeah, oh my it's God. like I, I love seeing the two of them together. And, you know, I love that she's still, like, entertaining yeah. that she would even speak to him. Yeah. And he has so ruined their lives oh, yeah. you know and it's yeah. to no fault of theirs you yeah. know and i love how you i mean in the writer's room so when you guys how did you, not how did you guys come up with it but i love the part that you just said i liked it i i liked it yeah. you know that was his explanation but you know i so buy it it's just it absolutely is don't you think we've been waiting to hear him admit the truth of it for a long time it's a, he's always been saying I do what I do for my family. I love my family. This is all about, this is, I'm the most selfless man in the world. <laughs> I do what I do for my family. And it just, it doesn't wash anymore. And I just, I as a viewer, I wanted to hear him say the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, Anna gives such a great reaction. Yeah. We hang yeah. on that reaction because yeah. for quite a while, because it's just, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a million dollar yeah. reaction right there. It's just, well, and like Kelly says, masterfully done. I mean, the way you compose your shots and mm-hmm. <clears throat> throughout the whole episode, uh-huh. but one of my favorite shots is in that scene when it's over Skylar to Walt and we see her reflection in the microwave. Mm-hmm. I you believe know, it's a microwave. It, it is a microwave. And I got to say, and I, I'm, we did. We talked. Uh, I, I had uh, I had a moment in one of these podcasts. I remember well because we only recorded it about an hour ago <laughs> but with uh, with uh, Ryan Johnson, where I was uh, giving him credit for something. He says, "No, man, that was like a happy accident." I have to say, I'd love to take credit, but uh, the the reflective surface on the front of that microwave uh, that was Michael Flowers uh, who put the microwave there. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to say, oh yeah, I wanted her face reflected. It was just kind of a happy accident. But but it's a, it's you, a great you, happy you, accident. You take them when you get them. Yeah. And uh, no, it's I love that too. And with the cigarette smoke going up and down yeah. her face, it's really great. Yeah. But it's it's, it's it's also like taking advantage of those things and saying, oh look how well that works. Exactly. And, then, and I tell you, when we saw it, I was like, oh, this is good. But I I I can't I can't honestly say that I asked for that or anything. It was just it was happy a happy coincidence but yeah. uh but yeah i love that too but, but i love that shot too yeah, yeah love, it worked out real well yeah i love the part also that you i mean he asked i knew that i mean even though i read it i knew that he would ask to see that baby and i knew that it was important for him yeah but i love the fact that you guys decided to let to have her let him it was almost like i'm not saying that i felt like she was forgiving him but I think that she really, at that point, really understood, even though there was no redemption for, you know, but that she understood where he was at and that it was important for him. And she went ahead and entertained it. I mean, was that something that was tough for you guys or? You just, you know, it. I mean, I believed every minute of it. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you believed it. I mean, my, my greatest fear would be. I mean, and I don't think I, it was schmaltzy or anything. Well, good. I'm glad. Was... I my greatest fear would be people saying, "I don't believe she'd ever even let him in the house. I don't believe she'd talk to him." I, don't, I, 
certain things you kind of, your, your heart wants, the heart wants what it wants, you know, the heart wants to see, I wanted to see one last, if, if, if Walt, in other words, if Walt and Skyler had never spoken again after that amazing phone call, but very sad phone call in, uh, in, 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 uh, in Moira and Ryan's episode where he's, uh, calling her all kinds of names and being nasty to her, even though they both know it's an act. I didn't want, he says it himself in the scene, he says, I didn't want that phone call of ours to be our last communication, yeah. however he words it in this episode. But he says, uh, you know, I needed, I needed a proper goodbye. And I kind of needed that too as a fan of the show. Yeah. And I, I think maybe other folks do as well. So she's not, yeah, there's not, it doesn't, I would hope it doesn't imply forgiveness. It just implies, I got to hear this guy's story. I got to, I got to hear what he's got to say. Mm. You know, my life is already irrevocably fucked, you know, so might as well hear what he's got to say. Might as well hear him out. Yeah. And I love how, like we talked about it before, but I like how you track junior home. Um, it was just, just beautifully done. Both of you guys. And Melissa's in the, Melissa's tell you're in the, uh, school bus. bus? I am on the school bus. Why are you on the school bus? As I was on the school bus in the pilot. Ah. And we, there's a school bus that wipes frame when, um, there, when Walt's on his ride along with Hank, just before they do the DEA, uh, bust where Emilio is. And uh, Vince was very upset that day because he's like, I can't believe we don't have any money for any extras. That was the very first scene, the very first day of shooting. <laughs> yes. Of, of the entire yeah. And he's like, why is an empty school bus driving through this neighborhood? This doesn't make any sense. And I threw a fit and I peed myself and then I went <laughs> off and took a nap. Yes, it was very <laughs> ugly. So I sacrificed myself and uh, I put my hair in po- pigtails and I got on that bus <laughs> And I rode that bus so that I was the last kid on that bus in that neighborhood. Uh, and then it's sad just, being the last kid on the bus. It is a little sad. I wish I'd gotten a short bus. So. <laughs> hey. So and the bus returned. So. so I don't think you can see me either. But I was can, on You know both what? You can. You, you, it's got to be a really. It's got to be a pretty sizable screen. Uh, but you're there. You're in silhouette. But I I know in my heart I was there. You can so. see. You can't tell it's you, but you but you can see there's a person in a window. So yeah. we gotta we gotta wrap this up, unfortunately. But yeah. I mean, I know not just a second, but we gotta get you out of here. I so I want you get, I want you to talk about this last act. I mean, this is the one. This is the deal. This is and you knew obviously you're gonna use at this point you're gonna use that M60 yeah. machine gun. You made a rig for it. Yeah. Um, we put it in the back of the car, and then of course you've got the whole suspense thing going with the keys and yeah. taking the keys yeah. and they're reaching for the keys they bring jesse out yeah. and you know then walt you know makes the the gun go off yeah, and just it. it's it's amazing you guys amazing job skip amazing, amazing skip amazing job cutting that sequence but, together. but i have because i say, just i shot a bunch of crap i had no idea how it would go together <laughs> and then i get there and i watch the editors cut and lo and behold skip has put it together beautifully I got to say, though, I mean, as violent as that was, I, I was laughing my butt off at that bark lounger sound. Oh, yeah. That thing, I'm the serious. The massage chair, yeah. It was so funny to me, <laughs> especially because it kept going. When it got silent, yeah. I thought it was just genius 
that that thing kept going. And it was like funny because I, right after I saw the episode, I texted Melissa and I said something like masterful. I laughed a lot. And that was when I <laughs> Yes. And I, I realized she's believe. as twisted as you. I couldn't <laughs> believe that that thing was. <laughs> it was you know, I have I have a massage chair at home at my house that I bought. <laughs> I bought it on some whim. I bought it at some. Uh, they had this thing. This is so lame. They had this. They, they had this uh, thing down in Long, the Long Beach Convention Center, like 15 years ago, called Toys for Big Boys, <laughs> where you could go see uh, you go see the latest Harleys, and they had like a, a, a single seat helicopter. And I wanted to look at the helicopter, uh-huh. not like I was going to buy it. I just wanted to see. And they had these massage chairs for sale. I'm like, I'm going to buy a massage chair. I'm not leaving here empty-handed, <laughs> even though my girlfriend won't let me buy the helicopter. I'm leaving here with a massage chair at least. And I've used this thing like three times in my life. <laughs> but at least it uh, it inspired me to, 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 to put a massage chair in the, uh, in the, in the last scene. Because the original, talk about me being a sick bastard, the original idea... Yes, indeed. Was and we we got a little ways down the road with this. We talked to Greg Nicotero of K and B Effects about this, and they drew up some really nauseatingly realistic concept art. But the original idea that was that uh, Kenny, I, I I wanted another little visual element to the sequence, not just the guys getting machine gunned, and I wanted something else that was make make it a little more macabre. And the original idea was was that Kenny. Is, is seated, is the only one at, pretty much at, at eye height to, to the machine gun. And he gets killed instantly with a bullet right through the forehead, but then his body stays seated upright, and as the thing saws back and forth, it like chops away the top of his head until it's basically just like his nose, from like the bottom of his nose on up, there's like nothing. And so the uh, Greg and his uh, guys at K&B had these nauseating uh, concepts paintings <laughs> and we all kind of looked at it and said and they were going to do a great job building a dummy but uh we all looked at it and we're like you know what we have to look at this at this awful thing like all day long all on day the long. set and then also the audience will have to be staring at it throughout the rest of the sequence yeah. with Going jesse and well actually this was before the massage chair oh, it was just chair. it was just a regular chair oh, at that okay. point so the audience would be it would it would steal thunder be nauseating and, and it would also, the rest of the things that happened, Jesse choking the life out of uh, Todd, Walt killing yeah. uh, Uncle Jack, all of that stuff would pale compared to this horrific-looking corpse. So we're like, let's not do that. But then I was like, what do we do? I want some other element. And then I thought of the massage chair. And, and actually, uh, Werner Handline and his guys built that. That was not a real massage chair. That was just a regular recliner that they put <laughs> pneumatic uh, airbags they put three airbags in and they controlled them with these solenoid valves off camera they could make it do whatever they wanted because a real massage chair doesn't move a person's body that noticeably we needed something that really made them undulate up and down <laughs> otherwise the camera wouldn't have picked it up because we tested real ones but uh, and this had a sense of humor to it totally yeah yeah i didn't i don't i'm not Despite people listening to this thinking I'm a sick bastard, I, I really do not typically set out to nauseate anybody. I don't. I don't want to do that. You know, so I don't want to. A happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Lydia calls and she's got ricin poisoning. Yeah. I'm feeling. You're feeling fluish, Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> and Todd. Todd's got an interesting taste in uh, ringtones. 
Because earlier yes, he's got yes, yes, and, Lydia, uh, Lydia. Yeah, and five thirteen, awesome. and at five thirteen he's got uh, science, science, Thomas Dolby. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, the Thomas Dolby one was really key too because yeah. I wasn't buying the Lydia one That's right, until you, you had established that like this is just a weird quirk of Todd's. But I, just, <laughs> I loved I it. Loved, I loved it, especially when it starts ringing. It's awesome. But now you have Jesse because we needed story wise, we needed a reason Walt would answer. A dead guy's phone mm-hmm. in the midst of this very emotional moment between mm-hmm. him and Jesse. We needed a reason for him to answer the phone. And then we said, oh, the hell with it. Let's just have him call Lydia. But somehow that smacked wrong because it felt wrong because then it's like now he's just being sadistic. But when we came up with the personalized ringtone so that he knew it was Lydia calling, then we said, well, okay, it makes sense he would answer that particular phone call. Yep. So. So you've got uh, Walt and Jesse facing off again, and Walt is saying, do it, yeah. do it. And yeah. Jesse says, Not says, this time, I'm sucker. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do, do it's not, it's not I don't think he forgives him at all in that moment. I think it's more about, I'm just not going to do what oh, you no, say. I never not got not the ever, not, ever no again. No forgiveness, no. Yeah. But I love how you have him busting out of that gate. And it's so funny because I didn't realize that that was really the last time that we see him. Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Kelly Dixon. Um, This will be the final time that I burst in in such an awkward way to these podcasts to bring you Aaron Paul's thoughts on the final episode of the series. So enjoy. Before we finish with you, because I know you have to go, I wanted to talk to you about the final episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the fact that, um, you know, you've got this really beautiful scene. You haven't seen this one either. Have you? Uh, you know what? I just saw it last week. (laughs) I haven't seen, I actually, I didn't see, uh, the one where Andrea died and I, I didn't see the, uh, the final episode. Oh man. You know what? I'm glad you haven't seen it because it is so amazingly good Mm. that it, it was such a treat and I had to watch it on a screen that's about seven inches seven inches uh, wide and with headphones on in Melissa Bernstein's office, right? Because it, it's just under so, so much under yeah, wraps. I, yeah. could not, I couldn't even get a, 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 a computer feed with, you know, to get my name on the thing to get it. And I had yeah. every legitimate reason for seeing it. Right. But um, it is so amazing, and I'm glad you haven't seen it because it's just such a treat. And there are not many treats, you know, left for us, especially being on the crew of it. But right. the fact that you get to see it in it, all of its glory is going to be amazing. Mm. But you have this beautiful scene where you're making the box and yeah. you're, you know, you're making the box and, and it's almost like Jesse has kind of gone into this whole, uh, disassociative, you know, state where he's just, you know, cooking meth constantly for Todd on that freaking dog leash that he's got on, but he's making this box but at the end, obviously, Walt comes and rescues Jesse with the big, you know, M60 machine gun and the garage right. door opener that he's rigged up. Yeah. Um, talk to me about finishing the show. Talk to me about, you know, did did you think what would happen happen? Did you think what happened would happen? Right. And what are your thoughts on how the show ends as far as like, you know, are you happy with it? Yeah. Uh, I gotta tell you, um, obviously I, I never wanted the show to end, to be honest, but after reading, <laughs> but the, you knew it had to, no, of course, of course, uh, I knew it had to, and I knew it had to end soon, but I really did think that we probably could have gone, um, at least another full season, but after reading the final eight episodes, uh, I, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I just seeing 
inside of uh, where the writers were uh, heading with it, like how they wanted to tie it all up and what they figured out, like or how they figured out how to do it. Um, I wouldn't put in another episode. I'm just so I'm so pleased uh, with how they decided to uh, to end it. Uh, with that said. Um, how I read the final episode, Brian and I read it together at his house. In oh, Africa. wow. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. We read it for the first time. I had it for like three or four days. It was just like staring at me. <laughs> it was like talking to me in my sleep. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. I did not want to read it, but of course I wanted to read it. Cause I knew once, once we read it, that was it. That was it. And so Brian and I had always planned to read it together. And, um, so I went over to his house and, uh, you know, we had some food and some wine and, um, uh, and we started reading it and it was, uh, it was very, it was very hard. We read the, uh, the teaser just in our heads and then we talked about it out loud and then we decided just to read, um, the, the rest of the, uh, Brian would read all the narrative and then I would play certain characters. He'd play certain characters. Oh, cool. Okay. And, um, and then when we got to the end, usually just says end of episode um it said it said end of series and then he just looks up at me he has tears in his eyes I have tears in my eyes and we just we truly we just stare at each other for a good solid 10-15 seconds not knowing what to say because it was all done Mm -hmm. and um it was very uh it was very hard. I mean, it was it was rough, but you know, it was our, our our lives for like six or seven years, and it was a family that we don't want to say goodbye to, but we have to. And um, we don't have to say goodbye yet. No, no, because no, you no, know what? Yet, we yet. have like we have like a month to go till the Emmys. Yeah, and then we have another Emmy season. Yeah, hopefully. yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers exactly. crossed. But yeah. you know what? The other thing I wanted to ask you, um, do you think, you know, talking to all the people that you talk to as far as fans of the show, Mm. your buddies, friends of yours, your family, do you think that they will be happy with this ending? Yes. Yeah, me too. I, I, without a doubt, I I, am not, I'm not concerned at all. I know there's going to be people out there that are going to hate the ending just because they hate that. It's an ending. It's over, they hate right. that it's over. There's no more. And that is really the only reason why they would hate it. Just because it's done, there's right. no more. So there's going to be plenty of those people. Mm-hmm. But I love, um, even though like I hate Walt so much. I hate, hate, hate him. <laughs> He's an evil person. But you know what? The reason the reason he died the way he did was because he jumped on Jesse to protect him. Yeah. And he just let let out the machine gun and he took a bullet. And I got I to gotta tell you right now, like... Even though, you know, we all saw Jesse get just tortured and beat down really throughout the entire series, but especially the, the last final episodes, um, it's it's almost good that Jesse went through that pain because if he didn't, I mean, Jesse is a murderer. He is a drug dealer. I mean, he's technically a bad person. He's an addict. He's an addict. You know, it's, it's good that he didn't just get away scot-free, you know, like... He got beat down, and he, he really did get what was coming to him. But I desperately just wanted Jesse to get away from it all. And yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I he think, did busted out did. of the thing, like yeah, <laughs> busted yeah. out of the gates. Hey, let me ask you something else. Um, uh, I was uh, when we when we first started doing the podcast for uh, five sixteen last week. Um, yeah. um, talking to Vince. I said the one thing that I would have liked to have seen other than what we saw was 
Jesse in a bush plane in New Zealand, piloting a bush plane in yeah. New Ze- around the New Zealand castles. Yeah, yeah. well, you right? know, with Brock in the co-pilot seat yeah, and know. a picture of Andrea and a little cartoon picture of the Apology Girl. <laughs> That would have been if they could have just had that yeah, at the very end of the that, credits. I would have been even, cool. Or even just uh, like there was, there was, uh, they were toying around with the idea. I don't know how true this this was, but I was talking to one of the writers, and they're just saying, you know, I was like, how is it like, how is it gonna end? You know, after I after I read the final episode, I was right. like, this is just so crazy. Like, where does Jesse go from here? Yeah, and they're like, you know, we were toying around with the idea with. Um, I think it actually would be cool if even after the credits, yeah, after it was all said and done, if all of a sudden you just hear like the of like a bus door opening, and then you just see like foot, you know, people getting off, and then you see like the token Jesse Pinkman shoes, mm-hmm. and the thing closes, and then the bus drives away, and then it pulls up, and it says like a big banner that says "Welcome to Alaska," and then he just starts walking to this mm-hmm. town with like two suitcases in hand, and then it just cuts. I mean, it might be too, like, you know, but I'm like, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. That's so great. So in my head, that's where he goes. And then he starts, he becomes a bush pilot in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Aaron Paul, I got one more question to ask you. Mm. Did you get anything from the set? Um, you know what? I, um, I did. I got the, I got the, the box Jesse made. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, uh, I have that. Um, I got Jesse Pinkman's license plate. Okay. And Vince, wait, the 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 one that with the cap and cap the, cap, the, the captain. Oh, you I got think, that does one. Is it Captain Cook or does it? Say, I thought it said Captain Cook or something. But yeah, you got that one. I got oh, that. Okay. Um, I got a little uh, Heisenberg hat in there. Um, nice. And and one thing I still do not have that will go. There's a specific place in this case is that pink teddy bear. Vince Gilligan, I love you, buddy. He keeps he keeps telling me that he's gonna give me the burnt pink teddy bear from the show. Okay. He has it in his he has it in his garage in a box, and I said, well, Vince, you know, if you want to just store it in like my cabinet, I have a perfect place for it. Yeah, he's it's like, like on loan, like yeah, the Smithsonian. Yeah, and then yeah, exactly. And then he goes, oh, what you want it? I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, well, I'll just give it to you. It'll be a gift. I'm like, all right. So remind him. Okay, yeah, I will. Tell, tell I will. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Vince, if you're listening. I love you, and I can't wait to hold that pink teddy bear. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I hope I didn't hold you up from anything. No, 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 no. We're all, we are all good. This is sweet. Thank you so much, Aaron. Um, All the best this year on that Emmy. You You as well. Hey. (laughs) You know what? How many times have you been nominated now? This is is my second time. Wow. second time. I really want one. But you know what? I'm like cool because you know what? Breaking Bad like gave me a career. I can't say it made my career. It freaking gave no, me a career. No, it gave gave me my career <laughs> it as well. Gave me a career. I so I mean, me. but you know what? What I also say is, you know what? They can always give you a chance, but if you can't bring it, they will definitely get rid of your ass. And so <laughs> and so obviously, I mean, I brought it and I'm really really proud of all my work. I'm so proud you of are your work. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. You are. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. I know this has been a little unorthodox, but you know what? I figured you guys really wanted to hear from Aaron. This is the only time we're going to hear from you. I know. This it's is so like it. No, but it's great because you're busy. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, busy is good. And again, I want to, you know, shouting out to everybody listening. Uh, you're obviously listening because you're a, a fan of Kelly and a fan of the show and hopefully a fan of mine. And I just want to say thank you so much for the support throughout the years. Um, 
you know, obviously our show would not exist without you. So uh, it's been a wild ride, and I'm so happy that you have joined us for this crazy, crazy ride. So I appreciate it. Sweet. Thanks a lot. Thank Later. you. Bye. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> you know what it, we had in mind? <laughs> you know, always steal from the best. We had in mind. It's funny. I just watched it again the other night on IFC. It was uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. When uh, Chief at the end throws the big uh, the fountain, the big marble fountain through the window, and then runs off in slow motion with a great sound, the great music playing, runs away from camera. That was uh, sort of what we had in mind. Jesse, Jesse escaping, busting through the fence. That was a good stunt. That was we awesome. mounted a camera in the bed of that El Camino, and the stunt driver, he really hit that fence at like seventy oh, yeah. miles an hour. Just. It was violent, just standing yeah. there watching it. It was scary. And we were trying yeah. to get so much done that night, too. So oh, yeah. for that to really, you knew it worked instead of just being like, oh, we'll try to make it work better in post. Yeah. You know, it was like, ah, no. oh, It was right. just one take, one yeah. take and out. That, that was like 3.30 awesome. and 4 in the morning. It was yeah. actually, by the time we finished up with that, it was just starting to get light. It Whoa. was That was a, just the ass end of night there. Yes, it, was, it, was. It, was, it was cold. I love, love, love how you end it because you have him go out. And, I mean, it's just so beautifully done. I mean, it just in every way, not just shooting it, but just the thought process behind it where you have him go out and look at the lab and touch the the lab with his bloody hand, you it's, know. It's and precious. It's, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's but what I we mean, call it in the writer's room. Yeah. But it's just, it's just so... It's, it, it was just, it was so, I mean, even though it was such a bad moment, to me it was very uplifting. I felt, I was so bummed when, I kind of knew that you guys were going to kill Walt, and I knew that it wasn't going to end well, yeah. but I, I had, all my hopes were that he would succeed and he would have his dream. But in a way, I feel like he did have his dream. That's what I mean by saying, I mean, that's what I meant when I was saying that he said to Skyler, I liked it. And this was the life that he wanted. And yeah. he dies. I mean, he's, he's shot, but he was, he had cancer yeah. and it was, it was probably going to happen anyway. Yeah. There's no redeeming his relate. I mean, he can't get his relationship with, with Walter Jr. back. No. And he's, he really, I think Hank dying really was hurting. I mean, that he is hurting by that, but to really have him go into the lab and, you know, it's like, I think he felt proud and I think he felt, I mean, this is just my thoughts yeah. was he was proud and he was like, I did it because I liked it and all of that. And to me it was like, okay, fine. If he had to die, this was the right way to do it. <laughs> and and yeah. I felt, I mean, after I saw it, I texted Melissa and I said, it was, this was wonderful. Excellent. Even though he died, it was, and, and you're, I love, the song that you use, Bad was, I mean, I love it. Baby Blue, <laughs> it was great like, piece of music. It yeah. was, it was so apropos. And like I said, but in the beginning you... of this podcast, I was like, I feel like you have probably closed better, if not the best TV show that I've ever seen close. And I work on this one, so I don't watch it as a fan. But I'm so proud of what you have done, of what we have we, done we here. We plural, we plural. You know, thank you. And so I'm proud of everything we've done too. I, I really am. I, uh, you know what? Never mentioned the tracers. If you want to know more about how we shot all the machine gun stuff, uh, there's a really good documentary uh, special uh, added feature on the uh, Blu-ray and DVD set uh, for this when it comes out about the minutia. If you're into minutia about squibs <laughs> and blanks and all that. And then uh, uh, one thing that may not be on it in great detail is that uh, Bill Pulowski, our visual effects coordinator, he and his artists added in those tracers 
the uh, the uh, the uh, glowing uh, tracer rounds were added in and visual effects in post did a great job. Yeah. I think in real life, uh, tra- it's one tracer every five rounds. I think we we brought it to one tracer every, every four, four rounds just to have a couple more tracers in there, but made it look very realistic and. Uh, but just as a group, just you know, just more examples of how what a group effort it is, Absolutely. and always has yeah. been for 62 episodes. And I'm yeah. proud as hell of this show, and I'm sad that we're not going to be doing these podcasts. I know. Much, Remember, right? I was like, I had to kind of twist your arm to do. You them. did. Well, you had to explain to me. You had to explain to me what a podcast was. I did not. I literally. I'm not even being funny. You said to me. Hey, we should do a podcast for the show, and I said, "What is that?" <laughs> I think I had heard the term, but I had never been interested enough to even find out what it meant. And yeah, then you and you said, said, "You go, you're gonna have to ask me questions because I can't just talk." And yeah. then you did the Bullshit first on one, that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, "Hey, we should do them all." But Vince, I know we have, we have to get you out of here because you're gonna go shoot Talking Bad. Um, I hope we've done an hour and a half, so I hope you guys are really, really happy. Vince is going to do a ton of interviews, so there's lots out there for you to hear way more about, you know, uh, the show and about his process. But Vince, these, uh, can you take a couple minutes and just just tell us, you know, what you think? What was your experience? You know, is it some of the best times you ever had in your life? Kelly and, wants the exclusive. This yes, is, this is the best job. I mean, you know. You know, you see a lot of these interviews. Probably at a certain point, people are like, "All right, all right." They loved you. everyone. Loved everybody else. It was a uh, so uh, you know, giant mutual appreciation appreciation society. This really was the best job I'll very likely ever have. Uh, and I say that in all honesty, I don't want it to be. You want you want your career to be an ever increasing. Uh, you want it to, you know, you want it to get better and better and better. And you want the next job to be better still than this one, but. If I'm being honest, I don't know how it's going to be a better experience than this one. Uh, I could go on to something else in the future that may get more viewers. That wouldn't be that hard, you know. But other other than that, <laughs> but other than that, I don't know I'm going to ever have as creatively satisfying as an experience as this. And I don't see how I could work with people that I love more and respect more. And as far as the story goes, too, it's like the story has just been incredible. It's just, it was lightning in a bottle. It just, it just, I, you know, I just, I feel like luck took a great hand in this. I mean, I worked my butt off and I hired excellent people, all you guys who worked your butts off and everybody approached it in a smart fashion and with great enthusiasm. And uh, we hired the right people in front of the camera and behind it. And you, you do your best job to ensure that that happens, but at a certain point, luck either takes a hand or it doesn't and uh i feel very lucky i feel very lucky about this show and uh if this is the best i ever get in my career uh i'm very fortunate indeed and uh, i was lucky to have this so uh i will miss it i already miss it i've <laughs> missed it for a great many months now it's been over as we record this when did we do our last mix of this episode in we're talking July. about? July. July 9th? Yeah, like it's been July a little bit of weeks. So it's been, you're right, it's been, uh, it's been about a month and two days since work officially wrapped, at least for me, on Breaking Bad. Unofficially, I've been doing lots of interviews, which are, which are flattering, but it's, uh, the job really is over, and it makes me sad. But uh, it's good catching up with you guys. Too. And I'm going to miss these podcasts, too. You had to twist my arm, as you just said, to get them going in the first place. Now I'm really sorry we didn't do them for the first seven episodes. 
But it'd be kind of too late to go back and do that. I forgot. There, so there much. have been those requests. I don't know how we could ever get I that just, done. I've forgotten. I've forgotten so much. I've forgotten so much. And uh, yeah. But uh, I'm glad we did them for. Uh, what at the other yeah uh, i think we will have done the other 50, 55 56 podcasts like amazing 55 or 56 well it's 62 episodes and we missed the first six right first, first seven, seven. Or 55 first seven. yeah yeah so we did 55 yeah. i can't believe that's it's a been lot that i can't that's believe it's been that yeah. many a lot of talking <laughs> a lot of talking <laughs> but it's been good um yeah. well thank you for uh for for having the idea to do this oh man it's, it's been, been it's been really yeah. fun and the team yeah. i mean gordon smith and jim yeah. carroll and, and chris mccaleb yeah and trevor and Trevor yeah, Baker, you know, and Michelle Sheridan. and you, Melissa, and just all the writers and everybody who's helped out. Um, just big thanks out to everybody because, you know, what became, what started out as a really fun idea, kind of cool, let's do it at lunchtime, yeah. became a job. It became a job. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I then tell it you. became an obligation. <clears throat> and, yeah. you know, it was expected. And, you know, but I'm hoping that everybody enjoyed it. We enjoyed doing them. Um, and boy, I just think I'm, I really feel very lucky and very proud of the fact that we, um, did them. And also you were so honest in your process on them because I don't think anybody else is doing it, yeah. you know, and I'm just like, I'm just very proud of them, you know, and very proud to have been here working with all you guys. I'm proud to be part of the whole thing. Yeah. Too. Me too. Great. Lucky to have you. Lucky thank to have you. you. You did a hell of a job editing this one. Just well, thank great. you. I, no surprise, you always did, as did you. You were lucky to have the two best editors. And and Lynn, Lynn Willingham, Lynn uh, our third editor. Uh, we only had three editors in the whole life of this yeah. series. Mm -hmm. uh, you you two and uh, Lynn, who also is wonderful, and uh, lucky to have you guys. Really, this show wouldn't have been what it what it was without you guys. So, All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, Vince. Melissa, thank you for thank everybody. You, thank you, Melissa. Thank you. We're recording this in an office that we, the Melissa and I, used years ago to meet Brian Cranston for the first time. This this really has come full circle. Wow. We are in a we are currently sitting around a conference table uh, with this amazing view of uh, Beverly Hills and we're in the room where I think Melissa and I met uh, Stu Lyons for the first time and I think we and I know where we met Brian Cranston for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, I had known him from uh, the X-Files episode. It was the first time you met him. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the possibility of him starring in this in this show, and it was right in this room that we record this. Episode. It's amazing. <laughs> and he played it so cool. He played it very cool. He tells the story now how he was like jumping yeah. out of his skin for the part. I couldn't tell it no, that day. No, me either. Of course, by the he way. is a good actor. So. <laughs> he is pretty anyway, good. But we should wrap it up. Thank um, you for yes. everything. Kelly. Okay. Yes, Kelly, thank yeah. You. No, absolutely. Thank you guys for helping me. And I mean, we couldn't have done it. It was a, definitely a team effort because we there's no money going on here. No, no. <laughs> you know, this was like a how do we monetize a team, this? A team <laughs> effort. Um, uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you have had a wonderful time with the series as we have all had um and you know what vince i'm going to change up and say go talk bad <laughs> <Very good. laughs> go get out there and talk bad love you everybody uh, uh I, I don't know what else to say tell one last time tell them to go break yeah. bad. go break bad everybody let's go break bad all right thank you all kelly right. thank wonderful you. job